Well, here we are again, talking about another Knicks loss. <laughs> Let's get into it. We're not wasting any time in this. We're going to get straight into it. Knicks Bucks. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, Tony, looking, see ya! Anthony for three, Showing some dexterity as well with the left hand. Yankees win! Yep. That felt like a Knicks game. Um, You know, I don't want to look back months from now and be like, yeah, that was kind of the uh, indicator that this wasn't going to be like last year. You know, because I feel like last year this is the type of win the Knicks pull out. And I don't want to start doing that, but damn, um, Jesus, that's a, that's the first heartbreaker of the season. You could argue Boston, but that one, they were right there. You know, you were just waiting for the blowout to happen, but it never did. And fourth quarter comes, the Knicks even take the lead late in the game. And you thought, okay, here we go. You got high and you got low. So we'll talk about it here, episode 574 of the podcast. Welcome to BD4. If you are new to BD4, well, I'm your host of the podcast, RJ Carbone. Uh, We do Yankees every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. Talking Knicks in this one. Let's go. Um, We're not going to waste time, man, because the Knicks lost last night in Milwaukee, 110-105. Uh, R.J. Barrett was out again. He's got to figure out the knee issue. I hope he's okay. Hope there's no structural damage. Um, it's uh, man. I just hope he's back by Monday. I don't want this to be a thing that becomes a bigger thing. We we we've had injuries in the past become bigger things, and let's just hope R.J. is okay. But. I don't know where to start. This was just a very tough loss. So one of those where I'll save my final thoughts for later. Um, first quarter starts out pretty rough. The first few minutes, the Knicks few possessions there just providing zero resistance at the rim against Giannis. He had like three straight drives with ease. The Bucks go on this 10-0 run, take a nice lead. But then the Knicks tighten up. They start playing good defense, and Mitch is all over the glass. They're creating tons of second opportunities. Mitch is even doing something different, kicking it out to open shooters off of an offensive rebound. And the Knicks are up four points after one. Second quarter, very competitive quarter. Bucks get a little bit hot. 
Uh, you see Randall out there with the bench unit. Uh, Deuce checks in for Josh Hart a minute later. Then you have you know Deuce a few possessions in a row, a couple breakdowns where he's over helping in the middle on Giannis. Um, understandable, but it led to a few open corner three pointers. The Bucks go on a run. Tips pulls him right there for Brunson, and that was it for Deuce's night. But Mitch checks back in around the seven minute and change mark. Randall comes out for Josh Hart not long after that. So then you have your Nova lineup in Brunson, DiVincenzo, and Hart. Bucks go on a run. They go up nine. Big three pointer from Grimes pulls it to six. Brunson finds one, pulls it to four. Then you get Brick Lopez being left open on the three point line of fuck up. <laughs> a couple times. I was going to say a fuckle times. A couple times. Um, makes it a 10 point game. Bucks are up 10 and a half. Third quarter, Brunson gets hot for 14 points in the period. Um, the Knicks go on this run where Brunson's making everything. Josh Hart is all over the place defensively. He's all over the passing lanes, pushing the ball in transition. Grimes knocks down another big three-pointer, and Knicks look good. Then the Bucks' offense starts clicking. You know, they're hitting Portis out of the short roll. He's making kickouts to the three-point line. Jake Crowder making nice kickouts from the short corner. But then quickly gets off for the Knicks. Gets an and one. Brunson follows up with an and one himself. Mitch continues to dominate the interior defensively on the glass. And the Bucks, their lead is shortened to six after three quarters. And then the fourth quarter, where the Knicks never went away uh, until the very, very end. You know, we, we'll talk about the whole quickly thing. That's a big conversation. The Thibodeau's decisions. Um, but Brunson's picking up where he left off. Right away, draws draws contact on a mid-range jumper, knocks down both free throws, makes it a four-point game. Um, when I felt this game being over, like the key sequence to me was when Dante DiVincenzo takes a good look, has a good look from three, takes the shot, and it goes in, it rattles out. <laughs> and then I think it was the following possession. After that, Giannis knocks down his third three on three attempts. And after that, I was like, okay, it's it's not their night. Um, I just knew. But Brunson didn't stop. A little later with like, I don't know, four minutes and change left. He's hit on the head on a no call, of course. He converts at the rim, inside finish. This brings the Knicks within four again. Then Randall finally decides to show up. How you doing, man? He chimes in, starts putting together a few points. Tough basket at the ring, at the rim to bring the Knicks within two. Uh, he draws some contact a little later. Knocks down one of two at the line, of course. And then it gets crazy because you got a little hope. And that's never good to have hope when you're a fan of this horrendous, godforsaken franchise. You have the possession where the ball bounces off Lillard's hands. Um, Griffin challenges it and the call ends up standing Knicks get the ball it's a three point deficit for them 
Randall knocks down a fallback jumper to bring the Knicks within a point. Next possession, Mitch traps Lopez in the corner. He forces a turnover. They've got the ball, the Knicks. And then it's Brunson who hits what was, at the time, the shot of the night with a three-pointer. And it was an excellent find and kick out by Julius. It's about one minute and change remaining. Knocks down the three to put the Knicks up 103-101. And I was screaming. I was pounding on my, my bed, which is right next to the uh, the desk here in the studio. My little makeshift studio. Um, I was going nuts. And at that moment, I was like, oh, please, please, please just one time give it to us Knicks fans. Please just one time, just just have this be the game where we start to look like last year's Knicks. Unfortunately, the NBA is a cruel game. And that was as high as Knicks fans could get because it was all downhill after that. Um, the Bucks from there scored, what, seven straight? Lillard gets hot. He knocks down a three-pointer off of a Giannis screen. And then right after that, he has the and one finish with Grimes at his hips. In between those two baskets, Brunson had a tough shot that he missed. Randall misses at the rim. It all starts to unfold. He fouls Brooke Lopez. Lopez knocks down one of two. But by that time, there's 17 seconds left, and the Knicks are already down enough points to where they weren't going to win. And so they eventually lose this game 110-105. In Milwaukee, and this was, if you give a shit, Game one of the NBA Cup. <laughs> I saw an interview by some Clippers player. I don't know if it was Terrence Mann, but the dude has no idea what's going on. And, and, and I get the gist that that's the feeling of a lot of NBA players. <laughs> They're just playing to win like it's any other game. They just want to win. They don't really know the rules. And a lot of us fans don't really know what's going on either. But uh, yeah, I, I get it. They're trying to add some pizzazz. I like it. I wish there were some home court incentives in there. Um, some playoff implications in here. I wish um, they're trying to, you know, do these weird court schemes where, yeah, I mean, they look like they're playing on 2K courts in the rec. Um, so it's a little gimmicky, but I'm trying to get into it, man. Um, I don't know that, that the intensity I had watching that game last night was because it was a cup game. I, I think it was just because it was a big game against the Bucks and the Knicks are looking to get going and they lost a winnable game. You know, that's, that's just the way I was watching the game. Those are the vibes I had. I don't know that I felt the tournament vibes. But we'll see how that works. Um, they lose 110-105. And again, I, I want to start off with this because this is the conversation of the night. At least it feels like if you were on Twitter. I'm active on Twitter. Uh, I have my spurts where I'm active and, and not. I, I was on Twitter after the game. You know, I like to, to hear different opinions among the Nick fan base. And yeah, <laughs> um, Nick's fans were disappointed last night, man. And I get it. Um, Tom Thibodeau pulls Emmanuel quickly for Josh Hart in the fourth quarter. So the fourth quarter last night, quickly's on one. You know, he knocks down the floater early on in the period. A little later, he gets to the free throw line, knocks down two of two. Uh, maybe 30 seconds later or so, screen and roll with Hartenstein. Knocks down the step-back jumper over Malik Beasley on the right baseline. So he's feeling it. He's 2-for-3 in the quarter, 6 points. He's got 14 points on the night, 
But good old Tom Thibodeau, uh, who I'm now convinced is just as polarizing in NYC sports as any 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 uh, New York icon has been. Like he gets the half and half love hate from fans like Odell got, Melo got, A Rod. Like you can add Tom Thibodeau that it feels like that. It really does. Um, he pulls quickly from the game with about a little less than six minutes remaining for Josh Hart. So forget the fact that that quickly, if you were to close with him, there was also the question that he would have been playing at that point, 17, 18 consecutive minutes to finish. I don't care about that. Tibbs has obviously never shown to, to care about that stuff. The outrage here was about Hart coming in for quickly and not Randall. Um, Hart was having a, a fine game outside of scoring. Six points, but he had ten rebounds, five assists, three steals. But he comes into the game, he closes over quick, and people, myself included at the time, lose their ever-loving minds because they thought, if anything, Hart should have came in over Julius, who was having another toxic Julius game. So I I, I understand. I, I thought about it some, and what I did is I sat on it, um, which is why we do these episodes the night after, by the way, so we can have clear minds and not think with our emotions. Um, because again, unlike Twitter X, you have to be able to find reason in a middle ground to understand things. And thinking about it, the Bucks have possibly one of the biggest front courts in NBA history. They've got two seven-footers in Giannis and Lopez at the four and five. A 6'8", 220-pound Chris Middleton at wing, who is known for shooting over smaller defenders in the post. And he was doing that all last night. And they've got a 6'6", 235-pound Jay Crowder out there as well. So one guard, three forwards, two bigs. So Tibbs, his mindset was obviously going with size, over going with his best there. You also have to consider that was literally the reason the Knicks were in the game. They were in it because of their defense at the basket and their rebounding. The Knicks dominated the boards, 55-41. Josh Hart had 10 of them. Randall had 12 of them. The Knicks dominated the points in the paint, 42-28. They shot 54% inside the paint. The Bucks shot 45% inside the paint. Randall was playing okay defense on Giannis throughout the night. That was an important part to their defensive scheme. Hart was playing well in the second half defensively, picking the passing lanes on the glass. He looked fine. Sitting Randall there instead, as bad as he was, means you have to use your small lineup again on a giant front court. So it would have been Brunson, Quickly, Grimes, Hart and Mitch versus Dame, Middleton, Crowder, Giannis Lopez. So three, four guards versus a big one guard. I'm sorry. Yeah, three guards plus a big four guards if you want to count Hart as a guard versus one guard, two forwards, and two bigs. And remember, RJ's not in this game. Okay, so keep that in mind. And, and I'm also, I'm actually a little surprised that with RJ out and with the size difference, 
uh, we stuck with an eight man and, and Tibbs didn't double up in the front court and, you know, do his favorite thing, which is put Sims at the four. But you have to think, you know, Brunson's a lock to close that game. He had 45 points. He's your closer. He's staying. He's not coming out of the game. Grimes was finally having the game everyone wanted from him. He was getting touches, taking open threes, and knocking them down. You're not taking him out. Mitch was a huge reason the Knicks were so dominant in the paint on both ends. He's staying in. And then there was Randall, who shot 25% again. So, it just goes back to the whole rabbit hole of, of Tibbs never holding Randall accountable and not being flexible with the lineups and not giving quickly his fair burn. And that was the argument last night. Randall had an awful game, played 39 minutes, and played the most important part of it. Quickly had a solid game, played 22 minutes, sat the most important part of it. And I'll repeat, I would have preferred sticking with Quick myself. I've always been an advocate of, of riding with the hot hand, and I get that people are fed up with Randall as a lock to close every night and play big minutes no matter what. I think Quickly should have taken some of Dante's minutes for absolute sure in this game, and, and, and I would have closed with him too. But you do have to use a little bit of logic from the other side. You're putting Quickly onto Middleton. Is that what you want to do? What if what if they switch quickly onto Giannis? If Tibbs won small, something tells me people would have been fed up because he didn't go bigger at the end of the game against the big Bucks team. So, and it's completely normal, by the way. Whatever Twitter tells you, it's completely normal for, for a head coach to stick with his star players at the end of a game when they're struggling. That's normal. Most coaches do that. It's okay to do that. I mentioned that the other day after Randall's game against um, Cleveland. Second time. So, to me, my my biggest takeaway that I had from this, it wasn't anti-Tibbs, it wasn't any of that. It was the Knicks have a very poor roster construction. They're clunky, and we know that. We are small everywhere. We talk about it so much. Guard, wing. At forward, behind Randall, They're small. The Knicks are small. And at the same time, something people aren't talking about enough, none of this would have been an issue had the guy the Knicks are paying $120 million to played half-decent basketball. And that's where I always look to first. Forget the fact that people want to fire the first good coach they've had in years because, you know, we love to play musical chairs and once we get mad at the next head coach, we'll want to fire him too. No. I'm looking at the roster. I'm looking at the roster. That's that's Leon Rose. That's Leon. I'm looking at a team that's in NBA purgatory with a high floor and a low ceiling because this guy, Leon, his GM and his executives in the front office chose to pass up on a superstar talent because of an extra pick. I'm not getting angry at Tibbs for getting in the second round of the playoffs last year with a roster that was expected to be a play-in roster at best. 
the day I'll ask for Tibbs to be gone is is the day that young players regress under him and not progress, which they've been doing, progressing. And the day the Knicks have a star besides Brunson and they still don't win. That's when I'll criticize Tom Thibodeau and ask for him to be hashtag fired on Twitter. But I'm not doing that now. I'm not doing that when I have a team full of guys who are lucky to make 20% of their threes on a good night. Not when I've got this this toxic player on my team who is a number one option but does nothing but drag his lazy ass around the court if things aren't going his way. Because Julius Randle was, while, while effort may not have been a problem last night, he was garbage yet again. Garbage. And we'll talk about Randle when we return from break. Stay with us here on BD4. I'm your host, RJ. Be right back in about 20 seconds. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. Julius, Julius, Julius. Last night, Julius Randle, 16 points, 5 for 20 from the field, 1 for 9 from 3, 5 for 9 from the free throw line, 5 assists, 12 rebounds, 1 turnover, 39 minutes played. It's got to stop. At some point, it's got to stop. But we are six games in, and he's yet to have a game where he shot over 40%. Forget 50. The jump shot looks terrible right now. So keep attacking. He was getting to the basket some last night, generating contact at the foul line, especially at the end of the night. But again, he can't even make shit at the line. He's not even making baskets at the rim. He's 7% at the rim this year. I still think he needs to keep attacking the basket right now, though, because I'm sire. I'm tired of seeing him miss eight of nine threes in a game, and I'm looking up, and this is a six eight, two hundred fifty pound dude. What he needs to do is he needs to attack quickly, and stop hesitating to make decisions because that's killing his game. When he has to think, it kills his game. So maybe run him in those actions that RJ has been featured in this year. Get him coming off screens and going downhill instead of having him just catch it on the block, on the elbow, forcing him to do what he's bad at in making decisions. Because this shit's not going to cut it. This dude cannot be playing 40 minutes a night right now if this continues. Like, when Randall is on, it only makes life easier for Jalen Brunson because the defense collapses on Randall, he makes the swing, and then they can swing it back down to him. But he is absolutely disappeared. And it cannot go on one day longer because before you know it, the Knicks will be buried if this continues. We're already two and four. It's November 3rd, 4th. Not to mention this was a tournament game if you care. So, you know, you're starting to already hear the trade rumors. Um, You're starting to hear the, the, the Carl Anthony Towns rumors revamp again. It's every week you hear this shit. Um, you know, now that Randall's playing toxic basketball, you're starting to hear more pro towns people. Um, it's for me, it's it's still a no at this moment. It's still an absolute no. Um, the only way I think about a towns deal, and probably still won't do it. Um, but the only way that thought even 
generates attention from me is if we're 25 games into this year and you're still getting the same results from Randall. And the only way I do it is if it's a swap for each other because I am sure as hell not doing this deal with both of them on the same team. There's no way I'm doing that. But that's another thing, is it not? Like, people want to trade Randall every time Randall plays bad. That's the only time they want to move him. And every time he plays good, people think he's the best player on the roster and the Knicks are going to make a run at the Eastern Conference Finals or better. It's it's really, it's like a middle schooler's mentality to me. It's, this guy sucks, get rid of him. This guy's the best, keep him. That's a middle school mentality. That's what Twitter is. It's a middle school lunch table. But that's not how you do business. The time to move Julius was after last season. When his value was high. So when his value is high, you move him. It's when the Knicks are a top four, top five seed. Randall's putting up 25 and 12 again. There's an offer on the table to get that superstar. That's when you move Julius in that deal. You attach some assets, some picks, and you say, here, get out of town. That's when you do it. You don't do it when the Knicks are playing poorly. Randall's averaging 13 points on 25% on November 1st. Whatever it is. I keep missing the date. No, you, you don't. That doesn't make a lick of sense. You don't trade a guy in November. I agree. It's probably best that he he moves on and he we move on from him and he goes and he needs to go very much. But, you know, I, I get it because I believe there's a ceiling to this Knicks team as long as he's on this roster. I do. But the time just needs to be right. And right now, to be frank, I just don't see him being moved. I don't think any owner is irresponsible enough to trade for this guy without asking for a boatload of assets in return. I, I, something tells me there is a pretty good chance that at best the Knicks just let him walk after his player option next year. Maybe they trade him before the player option, but this year he's definitely staying. He's sticking around this year. Maybe you can find something as a rental uh, next year when he, uh, I don't know. But he's not, he's not being traded anytime soon. So I, I just I don't know why we're even entertaining that thought at the moment. He's here. Um, it, it's frustrating, right? Because he's not a basketball player. Like, you know how you hear a lot in baseball, this guy's, this guy's a baseball player. This guy isn't a baseball player. Like, guys who do the intangibles. Guy who, you know, you'll have guys who hit, field, run, throw. You hear that a lot about. DJ LeMayu, he's a baseball player, quote-unquote. And then you hear guys like Giancarlo Stanton be labeled, he's, he's you know, good, he got good numbers, power, but he's not a baseball player. Randall's kind of the same thing. He doesn't play basketball. Right? Sorry, I thought this, uh, this, uh, the recording almost crashed on me. Um, he doesn't play basketball he he yeah like I said he scores a lot of points ton of rebounds the double doubles are flashy but he's not playing defense he's not passing the ball when he needs to he's not taking smart shots he's not moving out there when he doesn't have the ball he's standing still he stands there knees bent hands up clapping when he doesn't have the ball that he doesn't play basketball he just scores points grabs rebounds he doesn't play ball so Right now, I think realistically what we need to do, and that's all that matters, our opinions don't matter, is wait 
and hope this guy finally finds something because there's no way that he's going to be this the rest of the season. But it needs to happen soon because, my gosh, does does Jalen Brunson need some friggin' help? We'll talk more about Brunson when we return for break. Stay with us here on BD4. Be right back. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. All right. Welcome back to the show. On a positive... Excuse me. Um... Mr. Jalen Brunson's getting his first bing-bong game ball of the season. Bing-bong! 45 points last night for Brunson. Five rebounds, four assists, a steal, four turnovers, 17 of 30 shooting, two of eight from the three-point line, nine of 11 from the free-throw line. Welcome back, man. Thanks for showing up to the season. We miss you, and I hope you had a good summer. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's good to have him show up. You know, we needed that. That might have been his, his best two-way game with the Knicks, too. Because um, his defense is going to get overshadowed from this game. But he was he was pretty good. He was playing very smart defense, which was crucial to the Knicks' scheme last night. You know, the Knicks had him helping on drives as the weak side low man. And they've been doing that all year. And that's a big key to why this Knicks team defense has been good as a whole on the season. Uh, but, of course, it was nice to see the offense finally come alive. And it was the two-point shot that we've been talking about. That, that's that been the issue so far. But last night, he goes 68% inside the arc. He was knocking down the mid-range jumper consistently. He was 5 out of 5 at the basket. The floater looked good. Layups were finishing. He looked excellent. And it gave me confidence that it's going to come back to him. Because after the game, I went and looked at his numbers. And I was looking at, is his two-point percentage climbing up? Well, I saw the rest of his, his career. And in five years heading into this year... He's 52% or better on his two-pointers every single year. That's that's with volume increasing, too. So he's not going to continue shooting 44%, which is where it is now, went up after last night the whole year. It's going to continue to go up. Um, it, it was just nice seeing him thrive. It was nice seeing him thrive against a long defense like the Bucks. We talked about that being his weakness, um, but he picked his spots. You know, he got into the holes of the Buck defense with – very methodical moves, and he finished, again, constantly at the basket. I think the only thing when it comes to the Bucks' length is that you know, it led to some turnovers for Brunson. He had four. Four turnovers is, is not good. Um, you know, he had, he had some tough point guard moments where he looked off guys late in the game, a few possessions in the fourth quarter. I, You know, he looked off Grimes. I saw one where he had a wide open quickly and decided to pass to somebody else, and there was another moment. Uh, he looked off Mitch on the roll. Mitch had zero points, four attempts. He did all his dirty work last night, busted his ass for this team to stay in the game, and I feel like he should have been rewarded for it. Um, if RJ played, I'm sure Mitch would have probably put up a few points because they've got a good um, chemistry. So, yeah, you know, sometimes Brunson shoots a little too early in the shot clock for a point guard. Misses some guys, and it's frustrating. But I'm not going to sit here and make this about that. I'm not going to complain about Brunson's night too much. I I, I want to get that right. 
Like I'm just making an observation. Um, because having just four assists on a night where five guys shoot 25% or worse is, is kind of understandable. He had to put this team on his back last night. Um, he had to go into scorer's mode. I, I just, I don't know, I find it absolutely astonishing that on a night like this, people still find a reason to bitch about Brunson when he's dropping 45 points on Dame Lillard and the Bucks. He outplayed Lillard. He outplayed Giannis. He was the best player on the court with Hall of Fame talent on it. And people are still upset that he didn't pass to role players when he was damn near 50-piece in it. Insane to me. He's one of the best half-court scorers the Knicks fan base has had a privilege to watch. Recognize it. Respect it. Because he's a massive reason that this team is relevant. The days of, of Rajon Rondo, Jason Williams, the past first point guard are gone. Ask Ben Simmons how his career is turning out. This is a positionless era we're in, folks. Point guards are scorers. They iso, they score, they shoot. That's their first mentality. Luka, iso heavy. Kyrie, iso heavy. Harden, iso heavy. Steph, he shoots it first. Dame, he shoots it first. Westbrook, iso heavy. SGA, iso heavy. Even Chris Paul, who's known to pass the ball a ton, iso heavy. Guys are going to do that. That's the way it works. Jalen Brunson's not a problem for this team. So he gets his first bing-bong game ball of the season because he killed it last night, and he absolutely deserves to get the award. Emmanuel quickly deserves an award, too. So let's hand Emmanuel quickly the second game ball of the night and his third of the season. 14 points, three boards, 5 of 10 shooting in 22 minutes. It's good to see the shot back now. He seems like he's rediscovered his shot pretty quickly, pun intended. Um, you know, the three-point shot is, is still a work in progress right now, but everything else was awesome. It's been awesome. The step back on the baseline looked good. The floater was there. You know, and, and again, I do wish he saw more time. I do wish he closed the game. With Randall as bad as he was, the Knicks needed another ball handler out there next to Brunson. Um, I feel like with as bad as Dante was, Quickly should have had some of those minutes. And again, Hart coming in for Quickly. I'm not giving Hart 39 minutes or whatever he had when Quickly gets 22. But Dante last night. Let's move over slides. Dante DiVincenzo last night wasn't great. Um, three points, one of eight shooting. I got one thing on this. Shoot the ball, man. Shoot the ball, Dante. Shoot it. I don't need you trying to get fancy at the basket. You know, what is this we keep seeing? He's trying to torque his body and, and do these reverse moves all the time. We see it. I don't need him trying to dunk on Brook Lopez. It was a nice cut, creative cut, but I don't need I don't need to see him try dunking on, on Brook Lopez. What was that? We've heard about this, though. We've heard that he's not great around the basket. The eye test is matching what the numbers say. So, shoot it. I say shoot the ball. You're here to shoot the ball. That's why they signed you. Play defense, make your cuts, but shoot the three. Shoot. Stop attacking the basket. 
We don't need you dribbling. We don't need you overpassing because I know he gets fancy there too sometimes. We just need him to shoot. The Knicks were 26% on 39 three-point attempts last night. I need Dante taking more than three or four. A lot of these guys too, it's just, they're, they're, they're all just super hesitant to take the shot. I don't get it. Tibbs said it post-game perfectly. When the pass is there, make the pass. But when the shot is there, take the shot. But all season so far, through all six games, hesitant shooters. Guys are just passing open looks constantly. Grimes, Randall, DiVincenzo, Josh Hart. All of them. And that doesn't help with the spacing problems on this team. Right? It sucks. Because I loved everything that Josh Hart brought to the Knicks last year. And I love everything that he can bring. The rebounding, you know, playing the passing lanes, pushing the ball up the floor, the scrappiness, the one-on-one defense. It's it's all, you know, his attitude. I love it. All of that. He's an excellent New Yorker, an excellent full-court player. But when the game slows down and the offense settles into the half court, the Knicks try to get into some sets and he becomes a bit of a problem for them. You know, after he shot 60%, whatever it was, from three in the regular season last year, you've seen since then a constant theme. Even versus Cleveland in the first round, then you saw it against Miami in round two, and right now to start the season, you're seeing it. You're seeing the spacing problems in the paint that he's causing because he's hesitant to shoot the three-pointer, not going out to the corners, spacing the floor off ball, not a high-volume, great three-point shooter. So what happens when you're when you're that type of player? Well, the defense, they sag off him. They make things incredibly difficult for guys like Brunson to operate, for Randall to operate. Those guys can't create, not to mention Mitch is down there in the dunker spot. RJ operates in the paint. When they share the floor together, it's not good. Whenever Josh Hart is one pass away from the action, that help defender is going to come over, deter the drive, stunt on the ball. Whatever he's got to do, he's going to, get into the action and, and stop the stop the set. So it's it's definitely an issue that I don't know how it goes away. Um confidence. I mean he was so excellent last year, but it's just not sustainable for him to shoot that well from three again. You know? Big reason of why he was so successful, the defense had to respect his jumper. So he took them out of the paint. So maybe yeah, it's just going to come with a little more confidence. Shoot it a little more. It's got to have that confidence. There was a possession last night where Julius, and, and this was 1,000% a bad shot on Julius. I'm not excusing him in any way, but he's with Hart and a few other Knicks on a four-on-two fast break. Um, and he takes, Julius takes this tough turnaround shot near the rim, and Hart's just standing right there in front of him in no man's land. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if Josh Hart, if he's spacing the floor there, and if he's in the the corner, maybe Randall's got a kickout option and doesn't take that shot over both Giannis and I think it was Pat Connington. Again, I'm not excusing Randall in any way, but if you go back and you watch that play, I think it was a minute or two in the first half remaining, Hart did not help the fact. If he spaces out there, it's an open three with a clear baseline in front of him. So... Let me just take a sip. God. 
And, you know, people also complain about the spacing. They bring up Mitch when we talk spacing. But my thing is, if you get shooters around Mitchell Robinson, um, then the crowded paint isn't much of a problem. It's a lazy narrative to put the sole blame on Mitch because he's been their best player this year. That's not even a question. He's the reason their defense is top three. You know, and, you know, first off, Mitch didn't get a ton of looks at the rim last night because the Bucks are excellent at preventing shots at the basket. They're one of the best teams to do it there. Giannis is a defensive whiz. Lopez has become a good shot blocker. They protect the rim. But I do think the Knicks, you know, if they actually use Mitch more often when he's got a mismatch, then the spacing isn't as much of an issue as it is. Because as a lob threat, he's got a ton of roll gravity. So if they look for him out of the pick and roll more, the more the defense is going to collapse and open up that corner three, which Thibodeau does like to use. But they don't use him, you know. They don't, they don't use him in pick and roll. DeAndre Jordan has no offensive package. But he gave you 10 to 12 points a night because Chris Paul fed him in pick and roll in the daily. Even if you use Mitch, here's the thing I saw on Twitter. I love this comment from some Knicks fan. If you use him in pick and pop, you know the defense isn't going to come up. So you can turn that into, into, into DHO with Quentin Grimes. It's kind of like how they use Jericho when he's out there. They use him to come up at the level and space out the floor that way as a screener. Just do different things with him instead of keeping him in the dunker spot all night. You know? Switch it up. I just feel like Brunson's got to find his teammates more. You know? Not so much just Randall, RJ, but, you know, Thibodeau has to put an emphasis on getting some of those looks to Mitch and to Grimes. You know, RJ is really the only one who looks for Mitchell Robinson out of the pistol action. You know, those two have been running that pistol set since day one. But that's it. Like the other night... Tibbs actually ran an action to get Grimes and Mitch in a pick and roll on a DHO. So, maybe more of that. The problem is, is Grimes is very tentative when he gets when he when he gets the ball. Doesn't always attack. He's kind of jittery when he's dribbling. So it's like Brunson and Randall are the only two without a leash. You know, everybody else has a short leash. <coughs> But Grimes had a great night last night. You know, 17 points. 6 of 11 shooting. 5 out of 10 on his 3-pointers. 4 rebounds. And that was across 34 minutes. I'm going to just charge my uh, laptop here. Um, Yeah, no, Grimes had a, had a good night. It was nice to see. Because, you know, without RJ, we've been waiting for him to finally take advantage of it. And last night, he got his touches and he took... Full advantage. They got him involved early in the game, and that's important for him. You know, he got 11 shots up, uh, hit some big-time threes throughout the game whenever it felt like Milwaukee was about to go on a run, go up double figures, he'd knock down a three. There, there was still a moment or two where I feel like Grimes could have been even more aggressive. Like early first quarter, one of the few first few possessions, Randall runs a pick-and-roll with Mitch, kicks out to, uh, to Grimes in the left corner, and instead of rising up over Lillard, who was closing out, He's a smaller defender. Grimes hesitates, takes a second, passes it out to Hart. But a couple times, outside of a couple times, like, bottom line is is without Quentin Grimes' three-point shooting last night, the Knicks, in my opinion, were down multiple uh, or double digits the entire night. You know, they were down 10, 12, and it might have been a blowout. But I feel like he hit some very timely three-pointers, and 
that's why I wanted him to close out the game. Um, his shooting wasn't as effective late in the game, but he also had to take on a tough task in defending Lillard, who scored a quiet 30 points, if that makes sense. I thought he did a fine job on him. But in total, the Knicks were 26% on 39 three-point attempts. You take Grimes away, they were 17%. So they needed him. Um, no issue with him closing. Uh, the Knicks defense, on the other end, their defense was was overall pretty good. Um, Tibbs obviously had a plan in this game to take the ball out of Lillard and Giannis's hands as much as possible. Um, and that led to Milwaukee shooting 51% on the three-point line. But this again, this was because the Knicks' focus was collapsing on Giannis and collapsing on Lillard's drives, helping middle. So that's going to happen. You know, the Bucks would hit guys out of the short roll. They hit guys on the corner when the help defense collapsed, like we talked about Deuce or Mitch and Hartenstein. A few times they had to leave Lopez and help, but they couldn't recover from the help, so Lopez was left open from three. So you live with that stuff, you know? And plus, Giannis also knocked down three fluky-ass triples last night, so the defense wasn't that bad. Um, I mean, my only question was, like, why was Mitch on Lopez and not Giannis more? I feel like I would have had Randall on Lopez, which is slower and he's easier for Randall to defend, uh, and Mitch on Giannis with, with his length. But I guess that's semantics at this point. Uh, at the end of the day, 110 points allowed to hold on, an offensive powerhouse like the Bucks. Not bad. If you told me before the game they'd allow 110 to them, I would have signed up for that. Um, there were points throughout the game, too, where, you know, MSG, the telecast, they sometimes will show that little graphic whenever the Knicks hold a team scoreless throughout a certain point of time. They flashed it a few times last, like six minutes. The Bucks didn't have any points in the fourth quarter. It was cool watching them lock down. Mitch did a hell of a job. He, he has gotten so much better. Guarding Giannis, he used to get killed by him. He, uh, you could see with with his maturity and, and the strength, the, the muscle he put on, he can defend Giannis very well now. But protecting the paint, crashing the glass, the offensive rebounds, the second chances he was creating for the offense in the half court, kicking it out to shooters too. Uh, he was great last night, despite the zero points. It just felt like he was such a big impact. So they did lose. That, you know, they did lose. So, 110-105. That's it. You know, I, I want to be proud of this performance so bad. But again, if the Knicks started out 4-2, and two, or if this was in the stretch of, of you know, a midseason stretch where they found their groove already, I would have took this loss with, with some optimism. But I can't right now. A loss is a loss, and you're starting 2-5, and five, well, you're you're two and four, staring at two and five, dead in the face as you go back home to play the Clippers with Harden, PG, Westbrook, Kawhi. So, you do not want to dig yourself a hole early on. Um, you got to beat the Clippers. Unlike the Bucks, they're not scaring me. You know, I say all the time how the Bucks are the only team in the NBA that scare me. Every other team I feel like the Knicks can go head-to-head with and compete. I was actually surprised last night's game was as close and tight as it was because I thought it was just going to turn into a blowout eventually, but 
a team like the Clippers sounds crazy to me, but that's that's a must win. Get your first win at the Garden. Prevent losing five of seven to start the year. Build off this Bucks effort and win. Beat a good team to get some confidence. There's a little bit of sense of urgency now, folks. Now you start to feel it a bit. You start to maybe press. You know, we're starting to get deeper and deeper into the season. It's it's gets late early, right? It gets late early. Let's wrap this up. When we return from break, we'll get to our trivia. That'll be that. Stay with us. BD4, episode 574. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4 Blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. just went <laughs> sorry for that um well our question of the day my bad for this episode um which nick recorded a triple double during the 2018-19 season in a game against the rockets um which nick recorded a triple double in the 2018-19 season against the rockets that's it though for episode 574 tough loss let's see if we can bounce back later This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there! If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you. And we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees! And go Knicks.